With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and I will be your host for today's show. And I apologize in advance. I am dealing with some sort of head cold. So if you hear some kind of nasty, nasally tone in my voice, that's that's the reason. And I apologize because I know it's annoying. It's annoying to me and I hate myself for it. But I'm here for you because I have so much to talk about. The NFL season's here, guys. Thursday Night Football, Trevor Simeon, former Northwestern Wildcat, making his debut in the NFL for the defending Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. It should be a good one against the Carolina Panthers. Looking forward to watching that one. By the time you hear this episode of Behind the Pen, that game would be over. But still, nonetheless, Thursday, September 8th, we are so close to Bears football. September 11th, this Sunday in Houston, Bears, Texans, looking forward to that. Going to break some stuff down, kind of recap the preseason, give you my thoughts on what to expect this season for the Chicago Bears, as well as other topics on hand, such as, I don't know, Colin Kaepernick not standing for the National Anthem. I have to comment on that. Going to get into it a little bit, as well as some Major League Baseball news. Oh, man. And it kind of pains me to say that I have to talk about this, but I'm going to. Tim Tebow signed with a team. The New York Mets affiliate. Um, Why? Well, I'll get into that later as well. So, jam-packed show for you today. I'm also going to go around the MLB and give you some quick things. An update on the playoff races around the league. Nationals took a hit. Steven Strasburg's hurt. So, I'll touch on some stuff and some things. And hopefully you enjoy. First, before I get into my first topic, which will be the Chicago Bears. Gotta plug our Patreon page. Patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Become a patron. We do more for you. If you become a patron, that'd be awesome. Please do follow us on Twitter at most valuable pod. You can follow me at Rankin906. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most Valuable Podcast. We're moving on up there, guys. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty fun ride so far. You guys have been great. Keep commenting, sharing, posting. That Madden giveaway, by the way, I I'm not in charge of it. So don't come at me about it, but I guess somebody's, we're going to pick a winner soon. So just keep that in mind. All right. All right. Let's see. What else do I have? Uh, That's pretty much it. All right. Let's talk about some Bears football, huh? Let's go. The Chicago Bears are back. Finally. And after a preseason where I pretty much hated myself throughout uh, watching that, I have to say, I'm a little bit more optimistic now going into week one than I was about two weeks ago. And that's because Josh Sitton. Big-time guard from the Green Bay Packers decided to sign with the division rival and our hometown Chicago Bears. How awesome is that? Because not only does it fill a need on the offensive line, they're dramatically better now in that front five. There is still a lack of depth there. Say a person like Sitton or Whitehair or Long, God forbid, gets hurt. 
you know, it's going to be tough to replace anyone. Honestly, there's really nothing. You have Ted Larson and everybody else. And I'm not even sure Larson is going to be the starting center come Sunday. So let's break down the offensive line. This sit and move, oh, it fell right into the Chicago Bears' laps. And you know what? It's been a, a while since the Bears had something good fall into their laps. And this one was much needed because probably the number one area of this team that needed help was within their offensive line. Josh Sitton is such an upgrade that it makes me optimistic again. It really does. They have much more flexibility now to open up, say, the screen game. I know this is little things, but their run game is he's a great pass blocker, really good, really, really good uh, run blocker. This is one of the top offensive linemen in the league, guys, and we got him. Now, our two guards are Sitton and Long. Hell yeah! Are you kidding me? Two of the best in the league. And then Larson and Whitehair now are battling for the center position. We'll see what happens. Is Larson going to be the man under center in week one? Maybe. Probably, because he's probably the safer bet. But the talented option is Cody Whitehair. Now, there's going to be growing pains with Whitehair. But according to reports and what I've seen... It looks like the Bears are confident in Whitehair. And it seems like Whitehair is getting better at the position. He's learning quickly. It's, it's a smooth transition for the kid. So that is very optimistic. Being optimistic, that's great. You, you have to be for this for this season for it to actually be enjoyable. Because if you're going to go into the Chicago Bears 2016 season with the mindset, oh, 7-9, 6-10, 5-11, what are you watching the Bears for? You got to hope to make the playoffs. And this has been my mindset since the beginning, since last year, since they showed me that they were in multiple games, they had a chance to win multiple contests that would put them in the playoff hunt when they really had nothing, absolutely nothing. Now their front seven's upgraded. They actually have playmaking ability on offense. So hell yeah, I'm going to be optimistic about this team. I said it before and I've said it again. I'll say it over and over again. Going into this season, I'm looking forward to a team that's going to make a playoff run. 10-6 and six can make the playoffs. And it's going to be tough. I know Minnesota Vikings just traded for Sam Bradford. Shakes up the division a little bit. You know, they lost Teddy Bridgewater. I still think that the Vikings and Packers are the two teams the Bears are looking up at. But still, at the same time in the NFC, there are the Seahawks you got to worry about. There are other teams as well. You know, I don't know about the NFC East, how that's going to pan out. But this Bears team is, is you know... the. I, I, I backtrack a little bit now because of what I said about the preseason. The preseason kind of put a damper on my Chicago Bears optimism mood, you know, because how awful was that? How awful was that? But at finishing up on the offensive line talk, you have Charles Leno at left tackle. Then you move over to Sitton and then Whitehair slash Larson. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Whitehair's the starter at center. He should be. I want to see Whitehair at center. And then Kyle Long and Bobby Massey. Another thing, too, about this offensive line is Bobby Massey can get moved, bounced completely because he's bad. Move right, uh, Kyle Long to right tackle and then have Whitehair step in his guard. That's We'll see what happens there. Larson could also fill in at any position. So I, I guess that's, that's a positive. But yeah, keep an eye on that right tackle position because Bobby Massey is not very good. And there's a reason why the Cardinals kind of dropped him. But okay, so that, you know, I don't want to end that conversation kind of negatively, but the offensive line is going to be a work in progress, but it's much improved with Sitton. And I was talking about the preseason. We didn't see much. I mean, they cut David Fales. David Fales reunited with Mark Tressman and the Ravens, if you saw that. 
So the Bears only have two quarterbacks on the roster. Connor Shaw broke his leg. Unfortunate. Looked like he would have been a nice third stringer option there. But hey, what are you going to do? So it's Brian Hoyer and Jay Cutler. And really, it's just Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler's got the weapons now. I want to see. It's interesting to me because I want to see how Cutler reacts to Dowell Loggins' offensive scheme. Now, what is he going to do with, I mean, more weapons down the field? Now, they last year with Adam Gase, he felt comfortable, right, with the conservative play call, kind of rely on the defense a little bit, despite the fact that the defense had no talent. You know, it wasn't, they weren't taking shots downfield, relied on the run game. They're going to do that. They're going to do that. But with a healthy Alshon Jeffrey and a healthy Kevin White, I better see some plays go downfield. More than 15 yards. That's not, that's not asking too much. Like The reason why Cutler had such a good year last year and why his completion percentage numbers were up, his quarterback rating was up, he, he wasn't moving the ball, pushing downfield as consistently as he was in prior coordinators, with prior coordinators. So I want I want to see the dynamic Dowell Loggins has with Cutler. Will he work with him? Will Cutler work with him? Because we've seen it before. Cutler hated Martz. Cutler hated Tice. When he first came into the league, he really didn't work well with Ron Turner. I mean, no, actually, you know what? Yeah, 09, he he led the league in interceptions. 2010, NFC Championship. My, if I'm not mistaken, that was Ron Turner. So, I mean, yeah, things change. Aaron Cromer was a complete disaster, by the way. That man was nuts. He still is nuts. So that, that was a joke in and of itself. And, of course, Mark Tressman. Mark Tressman had no business being, I don't even know why he's still in the league, but whatever. The the point I'm making is Adam Gase was the only guy Cutler worked well with. Well, let's see how it is with Dowell And So far, the body language, you know, I don't want to read too much into it, but it's not looking good for me. Because with Cutler, if he doesn't work well with with, with, a, with a specific coach, and it's, it's obvious, you could just see it. Last year, we saw Cutler really excited, I guess. It was a different kind of persona we saw from Cutler with Adam Gase because they worked so well together. So keep an eye on that. Lots of, lots of stuff to keep an eye on as the season starts. But the most exciting part of this Chicago Bears team, in my opinion, not only are we do we have, we, I'm not on the Bears, do the Bears have talented options on the offensive side, their front seven, I mentioned, their front seven is so much more improved. Akeem Hitz had a nice preseason. Eddie Goldman, Eddie Goldman stepped up this pre, another year. Uh, he looks better. He looks better. And he looks probably is going to be one of their main Contributors on the defensive side. Some unfortunate news, and you know what? This goes back to last season as well. Pernell McPhee. Pernell McPhee is going to be on the pup list for a while, and I'm not sure when he's going to be back. If he's going to be back at all this season, that would be terrible if he missed the entire year. But six to ten weeks, I'm assuming, and maybe at that point the Bears are six and four or seven and three. Oh my God! If they're seven and three, you know, if they're six and four after ten weeks. They're right in the middle of a playoff hunt. Absolutely 100%. And you're going to need McPhee. So as long as he's healthy, I want to see him on the field this year. Kyle Fuller, haven't seen him at all this preseason. He's been dealing with an injury. Is he going to start this Sunday? Who knows? I don't know. if he, You know, DeAndre Hall, he looked okay this preseason. He did. I'm going to say, yeah, there was a lot of positive reviews of DeAndre Hall, but it's obvious he needs he needs work, especially turning his back to the ball or turning his head back to the ball. It, it, that's not going to happen overnight. He's going to he's going to have to adjust, but overall, DeAndre Hall had a pretty decent preseason, something that it was a draft pick, something that they're excited about. Harold Jones Quarte, guys, 
He's starting at safety, and that's a good thing. That means Adrian Amos and Harold Jones Quarte, and no Chris Brzezinski. Chris Brzezinski is a decent backup to have. And, I mean, a veteran presence knows where he has to be on the field. It's just you want athletic players who are young and can make plays. Hopefully, well, Jones Corte stepped up last year, and he looked okay. He looked pretty good, especially late in the season. So we'll keep an eye on that. There's a lot of mismatches, though, in the secondary that are concerning. Overall, defensively, you feel pretty good. You feel pretty confident because you have Vic Fangio, one of the top defensive minds in all of football, commanding your defense, giving you a chance. And this offense really for the Bears, they just don't have to they just don't have to shoot themselves in the foot over and over again. Don't turn the ball over. Get them win the field position battle. Score in the red zone. Right? I mean that's that's basically what it is. If you rely on this defense, you win the field position battle, you'll win football games. Because you know John Fox's conservative play style, especially offensively, they like to manipulate the clock a little bit. So going into Houston, facing Brock Osweiler, facing J.J. Watt, whatever. Yeah, I know people are all up in arms that J.J. Watt's coming back. I'm not, whatever. I assumed he would be back. And I don't think he's going to play more than 35 snaps. If he does power to you. That man just had a major uh, surgery, major injury, and now he's back, like in week one, in a limited amount of recovery time, and you're going to put him out there for over 60 plays? Good luck to you. So, 30-35 plays I expect from Watt, and if he's on the field for more than that, whoo, man, this guy's a beast. But that's okay, though. That's okay, because like, what gives me most hope here to start the NFL season for Chicago Bears is look at their first four opponents and tell me who their quarterbacks are. We have Brock Osweiler, okay? Eh, eh. First year as a starter in Houston under a new system. He beat the Bears last year in Denver, making his first career start. Now he's making his first career start under Houston. Whatever. A new system. Bears should The Bears should win that battle against Brock Osweiler. Then they're playing Carson Wentz against the Eagles on Monday night. The next week, Carson Wentz. Are you kidding me? This Eagles team is very up in the air. Are we? I, I don't know what to expect from Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz in his second week, the Bears should win that battle. And then you have the Cowboys the week after on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, they're in Dallas, but it's Dak Prescott. It's not Tony Romo. If it was Tony Tony Romo, I'd tell you they they they'd lose that game. It's Dak Prescott. We don't know what's gonna. We don't know what to expect from Dak Prescott as well. And then the Lions. Matthew Stafford. The Bears should the Bears should be at worst two and two. If they go if they go one and three or zero oh and four to start the season, I'm packing it in, guys. That's it for me. I'm done. I'm done. I, I don't care. This this schedule right here is is probably the most favorable schedule the Bears have had in a long time. In a long time, and their one of their division rivals lost their franchise quarterback for the year, possibly longer than that. This is a major knee damage going on in Teddy Bridgewater right now. So right now, it's time for the Bears to take advantage, and it starts September 11th in Houston. I expect them to win. They better win this game. They better win this game. And I want to see them play to a level where it gives me more optimism than I was, than I had last year. Last year was a team that was terrible, that actually won six games. This team can win ten. With this schedule, with the talent they have on the defensive side, with the weapons they have on offense, the run game, the defensive coordinator, 
everything about it. They're, the Chicago Bears are ranked 28th or something in the power rankings or 29th. It doesn't matter to me. This team is better than what they look like on paper, and I hope it translates on the field this Sunday. Moving on from my Chicago Bears over to another league and some news that went down actually today as I record this podcast, and I'm not necessarily proud of it because this whole story kind of just irks me in in several different ways, but if you haven't heard, and I'm, I'm surprised if you haven't because this is, for whatever reason, people are so in love with this guy. Tim Tebow signed with the minor league affiliate of the New York Mets, and he's going to be implemented in the developmental league or whatever the case is. I don't. I just don't understand it. I, I, I do understand it. But what, what I don't understand is I see this article here uh, provided by ESPN. Yeah, I don't like ESPN, but they had a good write-up on it today. There were quotes by Sandy Alderson, the Mets general manager, and he said... That really, I'm paraphrasing, but he said that it was in the interest of just baseball and not anything else. And he acknowledged the fact that the marketing and blah, 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 the money and blah, 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 that had nothing to do with it, apparently. And what? What? How can you say that honestly? We all know that this is just a money grab. In his freaking tryout, Tim Tebow changed his wardrobe three different times. And all three times, it was a different Adidas outfit. Like, are you serious? There's so much more that goes into... Tim Tebow playing baseball than just Tim Tebow making a baseball team. The fact of the matter is 10 people, or I'm sorry, 10 teams were interested in Tim Tebow services. Why? I have no idea. Oh yeah, money. But for the fact that they were willing to sign this man, and I have to say, if you couldn't tell that I'm totally against this, uh, Tim Tebow, first of all, isn't good enough to make the major, at any level. He's not good enough to play at the major league level. Whether it's minor leagues, major, he's just not good at baseball. He's not a good baseball player. Yet, teams are still, because he's Tim Tebow, teams are willing to give him a shot. And then Sandy Alderson says, oh, we think we have something with Tim Tebow. We see his potential. Yeah, my ass. You see yourself making tons of money off of this. You see your, your, your minor league affiliate making tons of money off of this. You're seeing... Your franchise most likely get a reality TV show or a documentary or some sort of media exposure of some sort. You're going to get something, and we and they know it. That's why they did it. That's why they signed up. And if they tell you otherwise, then then you're just feeding the lies of the liberal media. Don't believe the liberal media. No, it's just this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. Tim Tebow and his tryout. I said this in my last show when we, when I kind of mentioned this. One scout mentioned that. Tim Tebow looked like a actor trying out for a spot on a baseball movie. Like he wasn't even good enough to look like a baseball player. He looked like an actor trying out for a spot, which is beyond me. He faced two two pitchers, David Ardsma and Chad Moeller, and they both of them touched 90 I think once, if that. So, uh, he went 8 for 19 or whatever it was, and yeah, that looks good on paper, but the, the contact that he made was not good. The The fact that he can't throw either. He can't throw. What are they going to do? Are They going to they can't make him a pitcher because he sucks. They're probably going to make him an outfielder. Because in, in baseball, if you're a lefty, you can only play first or one of the outfield positions or pitch, and that's it. 
It's unfortunate as a lefty, but that's it. You're limited to those positions only, so it's either outfielder or first base. I kind of see him as a first baseman, I guess, because a guy like David Ortiz can do it. So, I mean, yeah, the difference between David Ortiz and Tim Tebow is that David Ortiz is a legend, and Tim Tebow is just a legend in the media's eyes. Why? Let me ask you guys this. Why do people love Tim Tebow so much, and why do the media just continue to push out these kinds of storylines? Because I, like, when he was with the Jets for uh, for that year with Rex Ryan, oh my gosh, it, the, the nonstop coverage. Oh, Tim Tebow did this. Tim Tebow had eggs for breakfast. It was just so obnoxious. For what? For what? I mean, yeah, he was he was a very vocal guy about his Christianity and you know his religious views, and he often in his press conferences would address that. Whatever. Why is why is Tim Tebow such a guy that people latch on to? Anyway, national championship. Uh, he threw one pass in the playoffs that won him a game. The Bears got Tebowed. That that happened. Marion Barber didn't go out of bounds. You remember that, Bears fans? But it's just why, why? I, I asked myself, like, just go away, Tim Tebow. Like, you, you're not good at football. He was like, oh, baseball's been such a passion of mine. Yeah, was it really though? Because you haven't played since whatever college. Or high school? High school, was it? If it was in high school, what the hell are you doing? You're 29 years old. Just stick to your ESPN gig. And that brings up another thing. The Mets are allowing Tim Tebow to fulfill his duties on television. How serious can you be if you're still doing that? Oh, you love baseball so much. Okay, then dedicate your life to it like all these other players. If, I, if that was me trying out for the New York Mets, I would get cut in three minutes. In three minutes, if I was Tim Tebow and I had that performance, the one he did, he had a, he had an average 40 time, but he couldn't throw, and he looked awful hitting anything other than a fastball. If I had that performance in a tryout for a Major League Baseball team, I would have gotten cut in the first 15 minutes, and Tim Tebow made it, and 10 teams were interested in him. It's because his name is Tim Tebow. This doesn't make any sense to me, and I just kind of, it's kind of insulting as a baseball fan, because you know how hard it is to succeed at the sport. And if he if he ends up proving me wrong, which I highly doubt, I highly doubt he gets further than single A or double A. Let's see, double A. Because if you can get past double A, then you're an actual major league player, most likely. You can play in the big leagues. That's the most difficult jump players tend to make. The minor leagues... Yeah, and AAA is purgatory. AAA is where you're you're good enough to kill it at AAA, but bad enough to make it in the major, like Gordon Beckham. So I mean, you could you could be like Gordon Beckham, but Tim Tebow, I don't even think he can make it out of wherever he is in his developmental league, and that's that's a joke. That is a joke right there, guys. So Tim Tebow, what are you doing other than trying to stay relevant in the eyes of America? It's uh, it's so insulting. I hate it. I I just don't know. I just don't want him a part of Major League Baseball. Period. Like, he's not good. Like I just it baffles me. He's terrible. He's terrible. And some teams signed him. Uh, the power of branding. All right. Now that that Tim Tebow nonsense is out of the way, let's actually talk about a serious topic here that's been in the major news outlets throughout the country for a while now, and it's not going away anytime soon. Colin Kaepernick has refused to stand during the National Anthem. Now, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. 
I know Ricky and Mark did as well, and they did a really good job, and I appreciate their opinions. I respect their opinions, as you should as well. Yeah, I don't want to piss people off here, okay? I'm, I'm just going to give my take, and I just want to talk about this a little bit, because I have an outlet to do so, and I'm going to take advantage of that outlet, just like Colin Kaepernick is doing. Colin Kaepernick is totally ethically okay by not standing during the national anthem for a cause that he truly believes in. Now, he's not doing this for a money grab. He's not doing this. Don't give me this nonsense that his career is in the toilet, so he needs to revamp somehow, some way in the media's eyes. No. No, that has nothing to do with it. And also, don't come at me with, yeah, he's adopted by a wealthy white family, and he's made all this money in the NFL, $17 million, whatever, this year. I don't want to hear it. That is irrelevant. Extremely irrelevant. Colin Kaepernick has an outlet, right? He plays for the NFL. What is the NFL? One of the major media outlets in the entire country. They get tons of exposure. Tons of exposure. And people, you guys have to realize that Colin Kaepernick's been on this sort of side of things since the beginning, I guess. Since since it started, really starting to pick up steam. Colin Kaepernick's been a major advocate of it. Maybe you haven't been paying attention, but now you are because he made a statement. It's not like he's tipping over cop cars or anything. He's like leading charges, uh, you know, like all these movements. He's not like leading a hate movement. No, this isn't a hate movement at all. This is trying to address a serious, serious political issue that is kind of getting pushed to the wayside. I, I, it's not, I don't know. This, like I said, this is a very difficult topic to talk about. Okay. But Colin Kaepernick is in the right. He's absolutely in the right. Not only that it's his First Amendment, but he's doing it peacefully. He's peacefully protesting, and people are backing him. Other athletes are backing him, and that's great to see. Now, me personally, I will continue to stand for the national anthem. Why? Because I'm a privileged white kid who grew up in a well-to-do suburban area and never had to face similar instances of injustice that we see within the police in, in certain communities. Now, specifically, that is that is the core right there. That is the core. There, the Alton Sterling shooting, as well as Eric Garner, I can't breathe. Oh my gosh, that was terrible. As well as what happened in Minnesota, Chicago, Milwaukee. All of this stuff is interrelated, and we see the Black Lives Matter movement. We see it. They destroy property. They're they're totally completely upset and you know with the with the justice department because they're not doing anything but that in my opinion is not the right way to express your frustration to riot and loot and to rob that is not right absolutely not right so people complain about that but yet colin kaepernick peacefully just takes a knee during the national anthem what does the national anthem mean to you uh let me ask you that question i want you want to hear your your thoughts in the comments below because to me and September 11th approaching, guys. The start of the football season is September 11th. It's all the games on Sunday. To me, the, the national anthem, the American flag, represents the progression of our country, where we've come since 1776, all the way till today. I mean, we went through civil wars. We've went through countless world wars. This, the, and, and I kind of associate the national anthem and the American flag with the people who protect our country right? Our veterans. And yet veterans are on the side of Colin Kaepernick. And they're saying, yes, it is injustice. And what, what, what is happening within these African-American communities and police officers? To me, the American flag means a lot. 
but I am just an ignorant suburban white kid who doesn't have to worry about walking down the street and getting approached by a police officer and being searched and everything. Everything is different. People hate to admit it and people don't like to address it, but no matter what, African Americans, when they are approached by police, will be approached differently than, say, a Caucasian male. And that is just the fact. That is just the fact. Now, the thing with the police officers in certain communities, I 150,000% respect the police. 150,000%. They are doing the job that many of us could not do. And what they are doing, they're putting their lives on the line every single time they stop a car at a traffic stop. That's how it is. Somebody can reach underneath their glove compartment, pull out a gun, and start shooting the cop. It's it's something like that. Or you could be walking down a police corner or uh, around the corner, and a police man is approaching you. All of a sudden, the suspect draws a gun. Now, th- these people are in danger all of the time, and there are certain communities that are very dangerous and very hostile. And I respect the police. I'll say that over and over again. I thank the police. But the problem is. Innocent lives are being taken by police officers. The people that are supposed to be there for us, to protect us, to save us, are killers. There's more to this than just that simple fact. Because it's obvious, you know, people in certain communities, like I said, get approached in a different way by police officers than, say, a white person does. Absolutely, that's 100% true. But there, there is so much more to this then Colin Kaepernick just, his message, there's so much more to Colin Kaepernick's message than just sitting during the national anthem because he's un-American. That's not it at all. That is not it at all. He's fighting for a cause. He is making this cause aware to the public, and people are joining in, and people are siding with Kaepernick. And hopefully it's something like this that can get us into the right direction to at least give the people of those communities to feel like they have their justice because they're never going to get their kids back. And that's something that I will never be able to deal with. I will never be able to come to terms with. On to a lighter topic. A topic that is kind of approaching its end, I guess. Because it is September, and the Major League Baseball season is coming to a close for many teams, but not mine, my Chicago Cubs. Yeah, they're going to win the World Series this year. But I just wanted to go around the league a little bit and just talk to you guys about Major League Baseball. You guys still involved in Major League Baseball? Let me know. I'm going to ask these questions for you. It is September 8th. Tell me who the MVP is in both leagues. Tell me who the Rookie of the Year is in both leagues. And tell me who is going to win the World Series this year. I appreciate it if you give me some feedback. And if it's not the Cubs, you're just wrong. You're just wrong. And you're going to hear me say that until October, whatever the day is, where they clinch. But we're not here to talk about the Cubs because there's plenty of other storylines going around in Major League Baseball. I mentioned it in the open. The Washington Nationals just got Steven Strasburg back from injury. And in his first start in the third inning, he left. And it didn't look good. Threw two pitches, winced after both of them, and he was taken out of the game pretty much immediately. And if this is another elbow issue for Strasburg... After signing that long-term extension, that, oh man, that is absolutely heartbreaking for the Nationals and even more heartbreaking for Steven Strasburg. I mean, this guy has been dealing with injury problems ever since he was drafted, since he entered the league, and we had all the hype for Steven Strasburg. We projected Strasburg to be the next Nolan Ryan. 
uh, like going that far as to say this guy was the real deal. And this poor, this poor dude's got so much going on in his right arm that it just hasn't allowed him to pitch. They had a restriction limit on him early in his career, and still, he is just suffering from so many injuries. This one looks to be very serious. I'd be surprised if he pitches again this year. And that's a big knock to that Nationals rotation. It's good for the Cubs, though, because, you know, Cubs are going to win the World Series. And they might have to go through the Nationals to do it. But overall, guys, look at the, look at, look at, the National League playoff standings here because it's starting to get a little a little messy. A little clear, but still messy because <laughs> totally contradict myself there, but that's okay because the Giants, Cardinals, and Mets are suddenly just right in the thick of things and two weeks ago I, I posted a video saying, oh, Cardinals and the Giants and the Dodgers. Those are the three locks because the Dodgers and the Cardinals and the Giants, the Dodgers and Giants, they're in the playoffs no matter what. And the Cardinals are going to win the wild card. But the Cardinals are falling off, guys. The Cardinals have not been playing well lately, and all of a sudden, the New York Mets, somehow, someway, who signed freaking Tim Tebow for whatever reason, pissing me off, are back into the, into the race. They're one game back. How is this team still relevant? They lost Syndergaard for a while. He's healthy again. They have, their rotation is DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Cologne. Bartolo Cologne, the 43-year-old ageless wonder. He's still pitching fantastic, and they're still in the race. I just don't understand it. I don't understand... Jay Bruce has been very nice. James Loney's doing a nice job filling in for Lucas Duda for now, but my gosh, well, I wrote off the Mets completely going into August, and yet they're still they're still relevant. Whatever the case, I still don't think they make it. But if they do top the Cardinals in that wild card and knock the Cardinals out of play, that's uh that'd be nice. That'd be nice, despite the fact that I think the Cubs can beat the Cardinals if they do meet in the NLDS, because the Cubs are going to end with the best record in baseball. They're probably going to clinch within the next week or two, and uh, they're going to have to wait until the wild card game is over to see who they play. And it's, oh, I hope it's not the Giants. I hope it's not the Giants. Actually, maybe, I don't know, I was talking to some, buddy, some baseball buddies. They had a pretty convincing argument saying that they matched up better against the Giants in a five-game series compared to a seven-game series. And that makes sense because you wouldn't have to face Mad Bum three times. And if it's Mad Bum versus Arietta three times, Mad Bum wins that game every time. So, oy. yeah, the Giants, the Giants scare me. The Giants scare me. I, I think they're going to make the playoffs, that's for sure. You guys got to let me know who you think is going to make the playoffs. Because it's been a pretty wild September, and we're only not even two weeks in. So it's, it's crazy. And talk. speaking of crazy, about the New York Yankees? New York Yankees have come back from, what was it, 11 back? Now to two and a half down from the, uh, from the AL wild card? Uh, uh, th- this team was packing it in at the trade deadline. And now they're making a run. They have a chance to make the playoffs. They have something to play for. And that's all you want as a fan in September. The Tigers are still around, but the Yankees. Luis Severino has been great. Jacoby Ellsbury's been healthy. Brett Gardner, too. It's been impressive, this kind of run. I know I'm jumping around a bit, but going back over to the National League, guys, the Miami Marlins are getting a certain someone back. And that's Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton was supposed to be out for the season. But I guess his groin is okay now for him to just come off the bench. And that's pretty big. Because this this team is totally lacking power now without Stanton. And they've fallen off now. They're five games out of the wild card. 
my God, the Mets are tied with the Cardinals. They're not even a game back. They're tied with the Cardinals. It, it, it changes every single day. Last time I checked, they were a game back. Well, must have won last night and the Cardinals lost. So, my gosh, this, this playoff rate is a lot of fun. You guys got to be sure to pay attention to it going into the end of September. Pittsburgh, they are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Uh, they just ended a long losing streak. So, my yeah, they're bad. They've been done, honestly. They've been done. So, I... I really haven't taken them seriously. Got to give Kansas City an honorable mention over in the American League. They're four back. Houston. Houston's coming back. Houston at 74 and 66. They started the season terrible. Terrible. They they tried to claw back into the race. That Carlos Gomez experiment just didn't work out for him. He's gone. But they're two and a half back. Them, the Yankees, the Tigers, the Orioles, and the Blue Jays are all right there in the wild card including Boston, including Boston. Boston just overtook the AL East last night, and I don't know, man. I still believe it's the Blue Jays' division, but it could. It, I, I went with three AL East teams getting into the playoffs this season, but yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of kind of rooting for the Yankees. The, the Yankees are probably the ultimate underdog that people love to hate, I guess, because the Yankees have been good for so long, and yet... They're good again when they're not even supposed to be good. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm rooting for the Yankees quietly. In the other side of Chicago, though, the White Sox are totally dead in the water, 67 and 72. I had to throw that shot in there because Cub fan, you know, had to take them. Especially when the Cubs are the best team in baseball and going to win 90 games probably tonight. So, hey, it's a good time being a Cub fan. Really sad time being a Sox fan. But overall, this, this, <laughs> I don't know why I threw that jab in for the White Sox. That was probably unnecessary, but I had to do it. Guaranteed right field, you know what? Though going going into the final couple weeks of this season, this is the last time we can enjoy summer. I mean, baseball is summer. Hot dogs, beer, good times, seventh inning stretch. And I'm probably going to hit a couple more games before the season's over, and it's time to really just power through winter, I guess. Because once the NFL starts, it's full. It's full go. Like Sunday morning on NFL Sunday is Christmas morning every week, every single week, and it's awesome. But with baseball, it's you. You got that. You got that kind of. How can I describe it? You have that warm, cozy feeling inside, knowing that there's always a game going on, and that summer is always associated with good times. So it's going to be sad to see the baseball season end, but it shouldn't end. For the Cubs, if you guys are Cub fans, it shouldn't end for a while, hopefully. But right now, let's to wrap up this conversation and this podcast, thank you all for listening and sticking around to me ramble about nothing. We have the Boston Red Sox ahead in the East by one game, the Indians up on the Tigers by a lot, the Texas Rangers up in the West by a lot, and the Blue Jays and Baltimore currently hold the top two spots in the American League wildcard race with the Tigers, Yankees, and Houston, as well as the Royals and maybe the Mariners, who are five out, all in it to win it. They're still among, you know, it could happen it could to any of those teams. Just keep that in mind. And then over on the NL side, you have the Nationals, Cubs, and Dodgers, and Giants, St. Louis, New York. That's those are that's it in the National League side. Pittsburgh's done. I said Miami's in it. That's it. So there you have it. Let me know what your playoff predictions are as well as the MVP, Rookie of the Year, and all this other jazz that I asked in the beginning of this podcast segment. So 
Without further ado, I would like to end this podcast by saying thank you very much. Remember, blogtalkradio.com backslash most valuable podcast podcast is where you'll find all of our full-length podcasts. No more SoundCloud, unfortunately, for those SoundCloud users. I like SoundCloud, but blogtalkradio.com backslash most valuable podcast. Of course, become a patron, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. We'll do more for you and probably enjoy stuff more often than we do now. Uh, Twitter. At Rankin906, at Most Available Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most Available Podcast. You guys are the best. Thank you all for listening. This is Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.